if you are the person who listens to all the podcasts, watch all the YouTubes and are a character or creature of listening, but not implementing, change that. Don't just listen, do. Don't just watch, act. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. And joining me today is the bougie banker. (laughs) I've got Raquel. (laughs) Her podcast is Living Bougie in Balance. Raquel, I don't deserve to be chatting with you, but you've lowered your standards to hang out with me. Thank you. (laughs) I'm really excited. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm behaving. And uh, so let's just start out for people that don't know you, Raquel. They're like, I I don't know Raquel. Shame on them. Uh, Tell them. Let's fill them in. What what do they need to know? Yeah, sure. So my name is Raquel. I'm known Mm. as the bougie banker. Yes. And I'm an international money management coach. I've had the pleasure after losing my job to COVID as a banker Mm. to actually being able to impact the lives of women all over the world, really digging into the relationship with money, making what that picture looks like clear for them and helping them gain clarity and control. Wow. And so we're here in Austin, Texas. Yes. Tell us why you're in Austin and what is uh, what, what are you hoping to gain from this experience? So I'm in Austin because Anthony O'Neill told me I should be here. <laughs> Good reason. <laughs> um, so it's my first year officially in business since, you know, December 3rd, 2020. So this whole experience is new for me. It's my first time at FinCon and I feel like a freshman in high school. I am just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm meeting all these cool people and all these great brands. So what I hope to gain is just connections and really just networking with the right people. So not only am I able to grow my brand, but as well as maybe help other people grow as well. So I'm sure there's people listening who had some challenging experiences through the pandemic. We know that that has also been the case for you. Tell us, take us back. Uh, Things were good until they weren't. What was that like? Uh, Tell us that story. So... I loved my job. Yeah. I loved having the benefits. I loved helping people. And for me, the transition really happened on December 3rd. Yeah. I mean, my manager, she asked me to come into work early that day, and I'm thinking they just need help. Unfortunately, there wasn't anybody else there but the two managers. And they asked oh, no. me to sit down with her at her desk. I've, I've had a similar experience. Yeah, yeah. She slid me a stack of papers. Now, I'd never been fired before, mm-hmm. so I didn't know what exactly was happening. I just knew it wasn't good. I thought I was in trouble. And so she told me that the company had to make some decisions based off of what was going on with the pandemic. They let go of three bankers that day in the branch. And I just remember like snot nose crying because I really loved what I did. And as I'm driving home, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. But the effects of that is I have three daughters. So losing your job in December, you're thinking I have Christmas coming up. Thanksgiving just ended. You know, we just had this holiday and that cost money. Now, what am I going to do? So my decision was, I'm not going to fold. I'm going to press forward and I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. Now, I've, I've been blessed and I'm really thankful to have the drive that I have because I feel as though for most people, this pandemic has been crippling. But I feel as though if you can take your situation and just grab it by the just put in a chokehold and just say, you know what? I'm not going to let this break me. And then that's what I did. And so I'm here now. Yeah. And I have been in that situation in December of 2013, pretty much the same day, same thing. No. 10 people got let go. I was one of the 10. Yeah. And driving home, I'm just like, 
I did everything right. Yeah. I came to work on time. Yes. Clients loved me. Yes. <laughs> so, and, and that was a moment for me where I realized I want more control over my career. Mm. So it sounds like, uh, obviously you've had that, that epiphany. So yeah. somehow you transitioned from that awful situation to the bougie banker. Yes. So let's, let's talk about that branding and let's, <laughs> yeah, so, so you have this moment of clarity. I'm not folding. I'm going to, I'm double down on myself. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yeah. so, and then this brand. And so let's go there. Let's tell that story. So the bougie banker, quote unquote, actually yeah. started while I was a banker. Okay. So I was the type of person that would kind of go above and beyond because I really enjoyed actually helping people. Mm. So I was like building budget binders for the customers and really just digging deep with them. Yeah. The coworkers, right? My coworkers, every time I would come to work, I'd be you know, dressed real cute. And they'd be like, oh, you're, girl, you're so bougie. You're so bougie. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. And, uh, so, I'm humble too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so... That's how the name came to be. It was actually my coworkers who dubbed me the Bougie Banker. I like that branding. That's pretty cool. Thank you. And then at some point you realized, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. Yes. Hmm, yes. No, I've, I've got a podcast. It's not always like super easy. There's a little bit that goes into that. Mm-hmm. What's that experience been like for you? So podcasting is an entirely different field from like YouTube and mm-hmm. just the content creator field that I've been used to. Yeah. So for me, it's more intimate, right? Like you can hide behind creativity on social media, on YouTube and all of that. But here it's really what I say and how it resonates with people and really going intimate into certain aspects of my life so that I can create that connection. So for me, podcasting just brings a deeper relationship connection between myself and my audience. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so since you started the podcast, what are some things you've enjoyed about it? Hmm. I really enjoyed getting used to hearing my voice by itself. (laughs) You're so bougie. Uh, (laughs) And outside of that, it's just, man, making certain connections and really growing because I'm new to the space. Mm. So even meeting you and seeing how your drive and your hustle is set up with your podcast, I'm like, man, this is amazing. So for me, it's just going into a new space and learning as much as I can. And like you said, you're feeling a little bit like a freshman, but I can't think of a better place for you to be at this particular season of where you are than at FinCon. What's your experience been like at FinCon so far? I mean, other than the side that you felt like a freshman. I cannot put a price on this experience. Really? I've gone to conferences where I paid thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and the value that's been obtained is immeasurable. So being able to connect with other like-minded people because Typically, I'm just at home by myself studying, creating content, and then I have speaking engagements. But I'm never really in a space to where I can just nerd talk money and statistics and how it's affecting the economy and all these great things. Well, not great things, but terrible, terrible, terrible things. But I have never been in this type of space. So I'm learning a lot. I'm appreciative. I mean, it's really kind of repetitive, but it's just true. So for people to check out your your podcast and check out what you're doing online, what what are some things that they'll pull from that? So if you guys check me out online, you'll pull a lot of pink. My brand is very pink. (laughs) (laughs) But also my target market is really minority women. Mm -hmm. And I service them because not only am I a black female, I'm a mother and I get it. I mean, if you just look at the statistics, 
unfortunately, the net worth for a millennial black female is zero dollars. And that hurts because as educated as we are, as academically decorated, as many businesses as we start financially, what we can bring to the table is nothing. Mm. And which and, and it isn't true, it. but uh, yeah, that yeah. clearly isn't the case for everybody. But No, yeah. of course. So yeah. that's averaged out, right? They do yeah. studies. Yeah. So if you look at it, if you look at the data, right, and um, this is what we kind of have to go by, mm-hmm. a single black female's net worth has been summed up to less than $5. Right. By the time she's 40 or 50, it's 1000 to $2,000. Right. And I know it sucks and we don't want to believe it because we know that, you know, there are successful African-American females out there and I don't want to take that away from them, but it's kind of one of those is what it is situations and we just have to do everything in our power to change that demographic. Have you received encouraging feedback from what you're doing? Yes. Yes, I have. Any that you I can mean, share? Yeah, sure. So between December 3rd, 2020 and today's date, I mean, my brand has touched 32 countries. Um, yeah, I know the U.S. and the U.K. are my largest audiences. I've had the pleasure of being interviewed by Anthony O'Neill with the Dave Ramsey Network. I've had the pleasure of being interviewed by Sirius XM Radio, as well as speaking internationally on some stages. No kidding. Yeah. Even in a pandemic. Well, so how they do it now is like virtually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Sharing virtually. Mm -hmm. And then... I just recently spoke at Savannah State University to over 500 students. I spoke wow. at the Coca-Cola Roxy Center to over a thousand people. Good for you. Yeah. So it's been wonderful. And I think part of it is I don't mind saying what hurts hearing to be, you know, I don't mind saying what hurts people to hear because I am that demographic. I mean, I'm here, I'm a millennial woman, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's just received a bit differently than if someone else said it. Right. Mm-hmm. When you do speaking, Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the things that you talk about? So the main thing that I talk about is combating debt. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's crippling a lot of people, especially, you know, for millennial women, my target market. I mean, we have things that we're not in control of, Mm. right? Social, economic, systemic, all that stuff. But we can also place attention on the things that we do have control over. What are our spending habits like? What's our relationship with money? These are things that I talk to audiences about. Because if we don't address it, we can't fix it. And most times you just don't know what you don't know. And I don't think a lot of people place attention on that deep psychological and emotional connection that we have to money. And I think once we really get to the foundation of that, we can start moving forward. And so in my speeches, that's kind of where I go. And that's wonderful. And it sounds like you're just getting more and more of those opportunities as you continue to get uh, your brand out there and more people find out about what you're up to. Yeah. Like I make it fun. So if you if you go to my Instagram, I make it fun. I make the data fun. But I also let you know that this is the picture of where we are. This is how we can change it. Yeah. Okay. so it sounds like a lot has been accomplished in just a few months. Uh, Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, What are some things you're looking forward to maybe in the next year? I am looking forward to deeper connections. I'm looking forward to networking, strengthening my brand. I just released my first book. It's called Mastering Your Money Mindset. Whoa. Yes. Okay. I didn't realize you had a book already. Yeah. Wow. You're really doing a lot for a short amount of time. Well, so this isn't my first go at entrepreneurship. Okay. So it's kind of me using everything that I've learned in the past Mm. and really just going all in with where I am now in the space. So the class that I've been teaching for about eight months now, 
I turned it into a book. So it's a self-discovery book. It's oh, wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. So you yeah. kind of already had all the content for the class. Mm. They can now, you repurpose it into a book. Exactly. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing that book is available now and people yeah. can check that out and they should. And uh, so what's the feedback on the book? So uh, the book, it, it was just put on pre-sale on my birthday. They're officially hey. in now, but I have a lot of people who've taken the class, purchased the book. Because like I said, we go into that relationship, talk mm-hmm. about the language in which your mom and dad spoke about money and how that's affected you and, and how you operate with money today, identifying your triggers around money and how you can begin to really create those healthy boundaries. Uh, so I'm a dad. I have a 10-year-old daughter. What do you say to parents who are wanting to help their kids uh, start to be uh, prudent with money as, at a younger age? Oh, your dad. Yay. Yeah. So I have a 14-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Okay. So the way and that I deal with them with money. By looking at you, I would not guess that, by the <laughs> way. So good for you. Thank you. Yes. So I deal with all three of them with money in different ways. Right. So for my eight-year-old, which would be kind of comparable to your 10-year-old. Right. One of the things we do is I make sure that she understands value with money. Because mm. I think a lot of times as parents, we want to give our children what we either had or didn't have. Right. Yeah. And so unfortunately... That picture can be set up as a child expecting versus appreciating. And when they expect, they don't value what you're doing for them. So one of the things I do with my eight-year-old, with all three of them, actually, if there's something that they want that costs a decent amount of money, I'll say, okay, yeah, you can have it, sure. But let's print out the picture. We'll put it on the wall and we'll have a little bag that goes under the picture. And for every personal development or financial literacy book you read, I'll give you money towards that thing. So what happens is they're developing as a person. I'm getting what I want, but they know the end result is the reward, which is what they want. That's a really unique way to do that. Thank I you. like that. I'm likely to steal it. <laughs> Go ahead, I will give credit. <laughs> okay, so for someone who's listening and they're saying, oh, man, Raquel's just speaking to me. I'm not where I want to be financially. I've got some debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you say to that person that, that's wanting to make some better decisions, but they, you know, they're coming out of it. They, they've they've had they've made some bad choices. Yeah, I mean, we've all made bad choices. My relationship with money was never good up until recently. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur before, and as an entrepreneur, I'll say this: you're used to getting money fairly quickly, yeah. right? But managing it is kind of the hard part. And for me. I had to get to the roots of my relationship with money. It didn't matter what workshops I took. It didn't matter which YouTube videos I watched. It didn't matter which resources I downloaded because it was a temporary fix to a lifetime problem. And so the only way you can really repair that and move forward is you have to get down to your relationship with money and how you operate with it. So if you're someone who's in debt and you're someone who's really struggling with having a positive relationship with your money, sit down and start asking yourself some key questions that you might not have asked yourself before. You know, what was my first memory of money? What did that look like? Was money the subject of arguments in my household? Mm. And how did that affect me to this day? All of those things play into how you manage your money, how you spend your money, how you choose to save your money. It all affects you into adulthood. Yeah, that's so true. Mm -hmm. It's very likely that someone's listening and saying, "I, I just need to reach out to Raquel. Raquel's probably the person who can help me. You mentioned Instagram, you've got Mm. the book, you got the podcast. How do people find you? Yeah, if you just Google, you can Google the Bougie Banker. I'll pop up, my podcast will pop up, my YouTube, my Instagram, my website, uh, really any of those avenues. But I would definitely say I'm most active on Instagram. I'm on there multiple times a day in my stories and all of that. 
You can click on the link section of my bio. You'll have access to my book, my finance planner, my classes, my courses, all of that. So I'm actually on my device now and I am going to go and find you on Instagram and follow you. So I, here we go. So what I search for? I search for the bougie banker. Yes. T H E. All right. Hold on. Let me get to where I need to do this. T H E B O U B O U J E E. Oh, I misspelled because I'm using one hand. Basically <laughs> the bougie banker. Or, I love that branding. That's so good. Thank you. Okay. And do I have it? I think I have it. Okay. And then underscore. So, mm-hmm. and there you are. I see you. And I'm following. Awesome. So now I'm on there. So you're like, who's this strange, handsome white guy? <laughs> I'm going to follow you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll follow oh, then you, you back. Have, you have uh, uh, B-E-Bougie, oh, bbougie.com mm-hmm. slash the bougie banker. Yep. So my website's website is bbougie.com. That's my links tab. So as soon yes. as you tap on it, pops up everything. That's awesome. And that's got the link to where someone could purchase the book. Mm-hmm. Someone wants to check out the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so a couple of uh, closing questions. One yeah, is, sure. who's doing something that interests you? Wow. Who's doing something that interests me? It doesn't have to be money. Someone that's doing something that interests me, I would have to say would be David Imanitie. Okay. He is someone that I really have a lot of respect for. He started this company called Believe Nation, and it really focuses on faith-based believing in yourself and and manifestation and how you can really move to obtain the things that you really feel like you desire in life. And I've seen the impact that it's created and I've seen how his company has given back all over the world. And so um, I really aspire to take some of the aspects that I've seen that he's done and incorporate into my own business. Oh, well said. Mm-hmm. All right. We always like to close out with final thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts for people checking out today? My final thoughts are if you are the person who listens to all the podcasts, watch all the YouTubes and are a character or creature of listening, but not implementing change that don't just listen, do don't just watch act. And that's where you're really going to see a change. It's not going to happen unless you decide that you're tired of being tired, that something has to change and you move on that emotional thought. Well said. Congratulations on the book, the podcast, speaking, all the wonderful things that are happening. I'm glad you could take something that certainly uh, didn't feel good and wasn't fun last December and now turn it into something that's life-changing and, and going to be uh, transformational, not just for yourself, but for others as well. Yeah, of course. So congratulations. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored. Mm-hmm.